in between. SchwangunkJournal.com And from listeners like you. Hello, 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 and welcome to The Local Edition, news and information to keep you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Patricio Robayo. In the second half of the show, we'll be checking in with Wayne County Art Alliance. But before that, we'll check in with Roger Hannigan Gilson from the Times Union about the Ulster County District maps that have been found unlawful. But first, I want to recognize today, and what is today? Today is Festivus, a Festivus for the rest of us. It's an alternative to the pressures and commercialism of the Christmas season, made popular by sitcom Seinfeld. How do you celebrate? First, you need a metal pole to take the place of a Christmas tree. Next is dinner. But during dinner, you need to have the airing of grievances, followed by the feats of strength while we wait for the Festivus miracle. So happy Festivus, everyone. Enjoy. Okay, let's get serious now. Okay, let's get serious now. On the phone with us now is Roger Hannigan Gilson from the Times Union about the Ulster County District maps that have been found unlawful. Roger, what is this all about? The judge threw out the uh, map because it was illegal. Um, It was not illegal in the sense that it was constructed to be illegal. But unfortunately, the Ulster County Reappointment Committee, which is an independent uh, committee that is uh, uh, tasked with redrawing the legislature's lines, had misinterpreted a 2021 piece of state law. State law said that legislative districts could vary by five percentage points. That's 2.5% above the average district's population and 2.5% below. Uh, However, the commission interpreted that to be 5% above or below 10% in all. Um, So it was... uh, it was not a hard mistake to make. Apparently, other redistricting commissions around the state uh, had been confused by this, although Ulster's was the only one I was able to find where the maps, the incorrect maps, were actually uh, uh, adopted. So what happens now, Roger, now that this map has been found unlawful? Yeah, so it, it was interesting because uh, a lot of people in Ulster County government knew uh, about a month or more before the lawsuit was filed that the map was incorrectly drawn, brought uh, the the county attorney uh, kind of figured it out and talked to the, uh, the redistricting commission, but they uh, refused to reconvene. Uh, they were waiting for a lawsuit that said they had to reconvene um, in order to get down to business, um, although there are arguments as to why this is a better idea. One of them was by John Quigley, the commis- the Republican commissioner of uh, Ulster County elections. Um, he said that it, it set like an unfortunate precedent of throwing out maps once they were already adopted. But that aside, 
Um, what's happening now is some Democrats from Gardner uh, have sued. Uh, in the lawsuit, it actually brings up two things. It brings up that the math is done incorrectly. The math is wrong with the 5% rule. But it also says that it unfairly splits um, towns. Uh, Gardner was split in two in between two legislative districts uh, with the map that was adopted. And uh, the Gardner Democrats were mostly incensed about that. They were essentially looking for a reason to sue, and it happened to be that the math was wrong, so they were able to do so. So a judge uh, threw out the maps, and now the uh, uh, redistricting committee has been court-ordered to reconvene to redraw them. Hypothetically, if no mistakes were found on these maps, when were they supposed to go into effect? In early 2023? Uh, yeah, so the maps uh, kind of take a effect in the new year, but they're not used immediately. I mean, they're for legislative elections, uh, which are not till later next year. Um, but that doesn't mean that there is a lot of time to do this. The primaries are in June. And I talked to, uh, you know, election people in Ulster County, and they say that they have to get the ball rolling earlier in the year because there's petitions uh to to be filled out there's various maps and election districts to to you know kind of codify and set in stone um so the timeline is pretty tight the court has given uh uh the commission in the county until early january i believe it's uh january 3rd it's january 2nd or 3rd that they have uh to to submit uh, a map. Uh, they've been meeting. They met first, uh, this weekend and, uh, I attended their meeting last night, uh, to see kind of how the process was going. It was surprisingly amenable. No one was arguing. There was no anger in the room. Everyone seemed to be getting along. In a surprisingly short meeting, it was only 40 minutes, several of the members had come up with, uh, potential maps and they went through the maps. Uh, one of the maps was tossed, and then all the members voted on which two maps they would uh, uh, want to submit officially. And I assume after that, it has to be a vote of some kind on those two maps? Uh, well, they uh, so the commission votes on the map. They held a map that night, and they've come up with one map. It was a map created by one of the members, by Travis Rust. Now there has to be a public hearing, uh, which is scheduled for the 27th. Uh, there might be modifications to the map after that, but they have to be done by by uh, early January. So the the you know schedule is very very tight. Yeah, especially with the holidays and the new year approaching, you know it seems like their time is not on their side. Roger, let's look at another story that you're working on for the Times Union. You did an article about the state reports slams Central Hudson billing debacle. What can you tell us about this problem with Central Hudson's billing? Oh yeah, that was that was a big situation. You know, I'd been covering that for a while. It affected so many people in Greene County all the way down to Putnam. Uh, you know, Central Hudson has more than three hundred thousand customers. I feel most of your listeners are, are well aware of the problem with the billing issues, the um really crazy billing issues that have been going on since September twenty twenty one. The Public Service Commission uh, earlier this year launched an investigation into Central Hudson, and uh, just last week, 
uh, the investigation was released, it was it was very damning. Um, I'll just say that uh, it turns out that Central Hudson was very aware that there was critical issues in his billing software uh, prior to the launch. But, uh, you know, the company was just kind of like, oh, we'll deal with that once it has been launched. And that despite the fact that, uh, you know, so many employees were telling management, were, were telling the powers that be at Central Hudson that they were in no way prepared uh, for this rollout, um, you know, that there was not enough training, that the training was, was all over the place, and that the, that the programming just, just wasn't, wasn't up to snuff yet. How about the party that actually created the software? I'm assuming it's some kind of development, software development company that, that helps Central Hudson with their program. Are they held liable? Oh, well, uh, so a few, a few companies did help out Central Hudson in producing the software, they're not they're not really the focus of central um sorry of the investigation. Uh there was nothing in the report that said that they would be held liable. The the state seems to be saying the uh the guilt, the uh the problem lies with Central Hudson itself. Now what happens with this investigation? I'm assuming the goal after this investigation is that some of the customers will get some some benefit from it, some, I guess, refunds or or credits towards their billing? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot could happen. What the investigation suggested and um, the Public Service Committee uh, members have to, to, you know, vote whether to actually do this or not, but what the investigation and the lawyers conducting the investigation suggestions suggested was two things. It would be civil penalties, and it would also be a second kind of investigation called a prudence review. And a prudence review is something that is mandated occasionally to public uh, utilities. And essentially, it's asking the public utilities to justify its spending. And uh, it's, it's trying to essentially disprove that uh, the way they spent money harmed their customers. And then being public utility customers, they're, they're a lot. Uh, you know, the government is much more responsible for them than if it was a private business. So if they order a prudence review, the company could be fined and that money could be used, uh, could be distributed back to customers. Right now, what's happening is the investigation concluded, the, the report came out, and now Central Essen has a pretty short time period themselves. They have 30 days uh, to respond to the investigation, to the allegations, to kind of try to rebut it. And after that, the members of the Public Service Commission uh, will decide what exactly to do. It's amazing how many people were affected. In reading your article, it just, just in my mind, was picturing receiving you know, a bill that a high amount and or having your money taken out of your accounts in such a high amount. It, it, that's, that could be a life-devastating situation for some people. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, uh... I mean, there were thousands of people. I think it was 8,000 people that had inaccurate, uh, inaccurately large sums with automatically withdrawn from their accounts. And sometimes there were huge amounts. The uh, report cited 
uh, one person who they did not identify, but they had this happen twice to them in rapid succession and both times uh, about a combined more than $20,000 were withdrawn from his, his bank account. Uh, the problem was rectified, but uh, in such a way that it left the customer completely confused. Uh, they got uh, the money back, but then, you know, the problem wasn't uh, solved holistically. At least it was rectified in some capacity, but I just can imagine the stress the person had to go through to get this result. Oh, yeah, it's devastating. And then, you know, what exacerbated all this is that nobody could get any answers from Central Hudson. I hear, like, all these stories of people being on hold for three, four, five hours, and then the customer service representative, you know, uh, I'm not blaming it on the customer service representative, but, like, not being able to help because everything was so incredibly confused over there. Definitely. Well, Roger, thank you so much for your reporting. We were talking to Roger Hennigan-Gilson. From the Times Union, Gilson covers the Columbia and Green counties for the Times Union. Thank you so much for joining us on the local edition and letting us know what's happening in your neck of the woods. Yeah, always a pleasure. I'll be back. Stay tuned. Next up, we'll be talking to Wayne County Art Alliance to talk about their potential new home in Honesdale. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Local Edition, winner of two Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Hey, it's Sarah Gonzalez from NPR's Planet Money. Every gift to this station directly supports the news you rely on every day. Don't believe me? Here are 10 things that $10 can buy this NPR station in 10 seconds. Ready? Pencils, batteries, notepads, gas to the next news story, headphone pads, caffeine, a windscreen, post-its, pens, highlighters. Every gift matters, especially yours. Here's how to give. Add your voice and your gift before the year ends by donating at WJFFradio.org. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to The Local Edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you so much for joining me on your Friday evening. I hope you are staying safe. It's been raining, snowing, windy. as winter in the Sullivan Catskills. For those who celebrated Hanukkah this past week, happy Hanukkah. For those who celebrate Festivus, happy Festivus today. And those who celebrate Christmas coming up this weekend, Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa for those who celebrate on Monday. And of course, well, I'll talk to you before New Year's, so I don't want to say I have my Happy New Year. But if I don't, Happy New Year. Before we get to speaking to Wayne County Art Alliance, I have a report from Karen DeWitt about a pay raise in the legislature sessions. Democrats who lead the New York State Senate and Assembly voted to raise their pay by 32000 a year to the annual base salary of 142000 As Karen DeWitt reports, not everyone is on board with the action. 
The salary increase from the current $110,000 base pay will make New York lawmakers the highest paid of any state, more than the $119,000 a year that California legislators earn. Senate Leader Andrea Stork-Cousins acknowledges that lawmakers voting to raise their own pay is politically unpopular. She says that's why it's only the second time in 24 years that the legislature has received a pay raise. Under the bill, outside income will be limited to 35 thousand dollars a year with some exceptions. Republicans who are in the minority in the legislature spoke out against the pay raise. Senator Jim Tedisco says it's politically tone deaf to increase salaries when New Yorkers are facing high inflation at the grocery store and rising home heating prices. Tedisco says the money could be better spent on preventing an upcoming increase on thruway tolls or extending the gasoline tax holiday, which expires at the end of the month. Recent polls show New Yorkers are concerned about the economy and don't think the state is going in the right direction. Senate Finance Committee Chair Liz Kruger defended the measure. She says lawmakers are hardworking and even overcommitted to their jobs. And she says any legislator who doesn't want the additional pay can inform the state controller, who manages state payrolls, and ask him to hold the money back. Governor Kathy Hochul also sought to include other issues in the session. She wanted to make changes to the state's controversial 2019 bail reform laws, which ended most forms of cash bail. But legislative leaders rejected those offers. Senate Leader Stork Cousins says it's unseemly to connect policy matters with compensation. The governor is expected to sign the pay raise into law. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. Thank you so much, Karen, for that report. And thank you to the New York Public Radio Exchange for making it happen. The Wayne County Arts Alliance has an announcement to make. They're looking to purchase a new building. The Wayne County Arts Alliance has plans to purchase the building at 959 Main Street in Holmesdale, which has been the gallery space for the Wayne County Arts Alliance, but now they have a chance to purchase the building and make it the official headquarters and a new home for the Wayne County Arts Alliance. On the phone with us now to tell us more is the Executive Director for the Wayne County Arts Alliance, Janet Giglione. Janet, welcome to the program and congratulations on the new space. We have the opportunity to purchase the building at 959 Main Street in Honesdale to become a headquarters and a home for the Wayne County Arts Alliance. We are in the middle of a fundraising campaign to raise the money to make that purchase possible. So it's not a done deal yet, but we're working very hard to make it happen. Uh, fortunately, we have an ally in town, the Wayne County Community Foundation. Their board has generously approved a $75,000 matching grant for us to purchase this building. So we are now in the middle of a challenge to raise $75,000. And once we are able to do that, the Community Foundation will match that with another $75,000, which will make it possible for us to purchase the building. We're hopeful to do a closing date in mid-February. And so we're in the middle of a big fundraising campaign to try to make it happen. The great news is any donations given right now, every dollar counts twice because the Community Foundation is going to match that when we reach our goal. That's great. If someone's listening to this, how can they get involved? How can they be part of the building fund drive? Any amount of a donation would be greatly appreciated. We have a donation link button right on the front page of our website at waynecountyartsalliance.org. There's also some information on our Facebook page. Uh, any questions can be directed to our email, which is waynecountyartsalliance at gmail.com. 
Uh, donations can be made online. Donations can be made by check. Donations can be made by reaching out to us, and we'll meet you. <laughs> um, so we're very eager to make this happen. We're very excited to have a home. Next year, 2023, is actually the 20th anniversary of the Wayne County Arts Alliance. And what better way to celebrate our 20th anniversary other than to have a wonderful new home to be able to do more art and more activities and projects for the community. And can we talk about the new space at 959 Main Street in Holmesdale? Can you sort of describe the space? I believe you're renting the top floor now, but it, with this building, Fund Drive, you're looking to own the whole building and all, occupy both floors. Um, it is currently owned by Sue Stephan Foster, who is a member of the Arts Alliance, and we've had a wonderful working relationship with her for the past three years. She's had her shop, which is called Missing Pieces and Gallery, downstairs, and she has rented the upstairs of the building to us, the Wayne County Arts Alliance, for our Main Street Gallery for the past three years. So we've had a presence there with a coordination with Sue, and now that she's retiring and wanting to sell the building, she is very supportive of us purchasing it um, and has worked very hard with us to try to make this happen. And uh, this will enable us to continue our gallery in the same address, but it will expand our possibilities because we will have both floors, the downstairs and the upstairs, to present art, do workshops. We have a whole list of what we might be able to do in the in the building that uh, we're going to work on and narrow down and finalize those plans once the uh, purchase is complete. It's a charming building. It really is. It's quite lovely. We're very eager to be there. It has wonderful big windows in the front. Um, and we certainly don't have any plans to do any major changes in the historical aspect of the building whatsoever. Um, we just need to update a bit of electricity, electrical wiring and things to uh, make it accessible. That's a great way to start the new year. But looking back at the year that was, 2022, what can you look back on with some fond memories for the Wayne County Arts Alliance? Well, it was very exciting to get back to most of our projects again because many things were unable to happen during the two years of COVID, which was very frustrating. Um, this past year, we started the year off with um, our sketchbook party book launch, which is a project that is a book of sketches by local and member artists. In fact, it's the first thing for next year will be on January 15th. We'll have a launch for that. So each year, artists submit the sketches and a couple of questions and answers. And we put together a book that celebrates the amazing diversity of talent in just a sketch version, not a finished piece of artwork, but a sketch. And those are published in a book that is then given to each new and renewing membership during the course of the year. So we started off in January with that in 2022. And then our ongoing project is our Featured Artist of the Month, where we feature a different artist's artwork on the banner of our Facebook page and the banner of our website each month, one of our member artists gives a chance for a few more images to get out there for people to see uh, some of our amazingly very talented artists. Then we had in April our Celebrating Students' Creativity. We were able to have that as a live exhibit again this year after not being able to for two years, three years. Uh, that is an exhibit that takes place at the Dorflinger Factory Museum. James Asselstyn is very generous to let us use this space for that for the past several years. And it is an exhibit of artwork by 7th to 12th grade students in all three school districts in Wayne County. So it is a juried exhibition of their artwork to give them a chance to show off their skills, which is exciting. We did have a summer outdoor art project this year 
It was Hearts Alive in Wayne County. We had 51 six-foot-tall sculptures of big hearts that were then painted, decorated, embellished by 51 different artists. These were sponsored by local businesses and on display all over Wayne County throughout the summer, which was very exciting. Um, and then we had an online auction of that at the end of the summer to raise some funds to do our next summer outdoor project next year, which we're still working on right now. Um, our studio tour was back in full blast for 2022. We had a record 26 artists who opened their studios for the public to come and see and view, which is always very exciting to share what some of the newest artwork some of our artists have created each year. But our Halloween bash was back in October. Very, very exciting. Uh, it's a community uh, dance party and costume contest that uh, takes place at the Cooperage, but it's an Arts Alliance event, which is very fun. We just finished our Art Under 100 art sale, which is a project that was both online and in store this year to give our artists an opportunity to sell their art. And for this particular sale, all of the art is priced at $99 or less to encourage people to buy art for gifts for themselves and to make it very accessible to everyone. And many of our artists do participate in that. And then, of course, all year long, we've had six different exhibits at our Main Street Gallery there at 959 Main Street that were curated by uh, Debbie Pollock and Jay Hostetler with different challenging themes for the artists to submit artwork for. And those are uh, exhibits of artwork by our member artists that have been group shows that we plan to continue next year uh, as well. And uh, in addition to that, uh, Debbie Pollock has organized several workshops and um, visits by school students to come to the gallery and see art and interact with the art and work on projects and workshops in that way. Oh, the Great Wall of Honesdale. How can I miss that? It's the biggest physical thing we have. Um, it's a giant wall of 12 reproductions of original artwork. Each panel is 12 foot by 17 foot, and it's right at the end of Main Street in Honesdale. Huge public exhibition. Uh, that artwork is changed out each year in June, and so 12 different artists will get their art selected um, to be up starting in June of 23, but we have a beautiful exhibit. Anytime you drive down Main Street, you can't miss it, uh, which is a wonderful way to have art accessible to everyone. You don't even have to get out of your car for that one. <laughs> we have some public art displays. Some of our area businesses have requested artwork on display. We have artwork that is at the Dimebank Lake Region offices uh, near uh, Holly and also at Nature's Grace uh, Health Food Store in Homesdale. Wow, what a year it has been. Yeah, we, we, we keep ourselves very busy. <laughs> um, and it's great that, you know, events like like you just described, are coming back since the pandemic. You know, a lot of things have were closed down, events couldn't happen. But it looks like this past year, you had a lot of events, in-person events uh, happening. Yes, yes. And we're very excited to be able to see everybody in person again, as opposed to just looking at things online. It's not quite the same. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not quite the same. We're talking to the executive director for the Wayne County Arts Alliance about the building fund for their new, potential new space, and everything that's happened this past year. Thank you so much, Jenna, for joining us on the Local Edition. Have a great holiday. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Have a great holiday. And that does it for the Local Edition. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. 
Thank you so much to Roger from the Times Union letting us know what's happening in the Times Union newspaper and website. Also, thank you so much to the Executive Director for the Wayne County Arts Alliance letting us know about the potential new headquarters that's happening in Holmesdale. We'll be back on Monday talking to Dan Hoos from Sullivan County Government. Taking a look back at the year that was, also we'll be checking in with Joseph Abraham from Sullivan County Democrat. Also, looking back at the year that was in 2022. If you ever miss a show, we have a podcast. You can find us anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Google, Apple, Stitcher. Search for WJFF, the local edition. Subscribe, share it, tell your friends. Find us on social media. We're at WJFF Radio Catskill. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We post at 4 p.m. Monday through Friday on who's on the show. Visit our website, wjffradio.org slash the local edition. I'll give it to you one more time, wjffradio.org slash the local edition. You can find upcoming guests, see past guests, and you can even listen to the show. How great is that? You've been listening to the local edition. I've been your host, Patricio Robayo. Have a good night, Lucy. Have a safe holiday weekend, and I'll see you next week. And here's John Lennon. So this is Christmas And what have you done Another year over And you won't just be gone Radio Catskill supporters include Grizzly Bagels Small batch handmade New York style bagels in Calicoon, New York Available for pre-order in-person pickup, or shipping within New York State. Grizzlybagels.com From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, riverreporter.com And from listeners like you who donate at wjffradio.org This is Jim Lomax. I'm a volunteer here at Radio Catskill. I'd like to wish all of you the very best of the holiday season. Next year promises to be challenging, but it is important for all of us to recommit ourselves to our family, friends, and the communities in which we live. From all of us here at Radio Catskill, thank you for listening. Have a safe and festive holiday season and a very happy new year. WJFF Jeffersonville. W233AH Monticello. Public Radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Radio Catskills.